Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Matt Goldstone, and today we're studying Psachim Daf Pei Gimel, page 83. On today's Daf, we read the following Mishnah. Ha'atzmot ve'hagidin ve'hanotar yisrafu b'shisha asar. Chal shisha asar lehiot b'shabat yisrafu b'shiv asar. Lefi she'enan dochin lo et ha'shabat ve'lo et hayom tov. The bones and sinews and the leftover parts of the Korban Pesach, one should burn them on the 16th day of Nisan. If, however, the 16th day falls out on Shabbat, then one should burn them on the 17th day of Nisan, since they do not push off the Shabbat or Yom Tov restrictions. With regard to the Korban Pesach, as with most offerings, there's a limited window of time during which one is commanded and permitted to eat the meat of the offering. After this, the remaining edible portions become notar, or left over, and are forbidden for consumption. Given that they probably did not have effective means of refrigeration at that time, one can understand why it probably wasn't a good idea to eat meat that had been sitting out for a few days. Our Mishnah lists three different parts of the animal that could be left over and require burning. The bones, which specifically in the Korban Pesach are not supposed to be broken, and Rashi notes that because the bones cannot be broken, the edible marrow that's inside of them will not be eaten, and thus they constitute leftover edible material and should be burned. Now, most likely people would not be consuming the sinews, or at least all of them, and those, thus those too should be burned. And finally, any leftover meat proper must also be burned on the 16th of Nisan, the day after the one biblical day of Yom Tov. While some sacrifices are offered on Shabbat and Yom Tov, such as the Korban Tamid, which is offered daily, other sacrifices, and particularly the burning of leftover parts of these sacrifices, do not need to be done on Shabbat or Yom Tov, and thus this is pushed off to the following day. Now, that was the Mishnah. Our Gemara opens with a statement of Rav Mari Bar Avuha in the name of Rebbe Yitzchak, that, Atzmot Kodshim, Sheshimshu Notar, Metamim et the bones of Kochim, that is, sacrificial offerings, which served for or as notar, Rashi explains the meaning of this somewhat unusual phrase, that the, the marrow remained in the bones and was used by or constituted part of the bones. In any event, these bones render the hands of one who touches them impure. The idea of metamin et is an interesting concept which appears in other halachic contexts. Our first impression might be that leftover meat and other things which one would rather not eat or handle seem to fit well in this category. However, we find that some potentially unexpected objects also render the hands impure through contact. Thus, for example, in Mishnaya Daim in Seder Tarot, chapter 3, we find that several everyday ritual objects also can render the hands impure. Ritzuot tefillin im hatfilin metam otetiyadayim. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Ritzuot tefillin ena metam otetiyadayim. 
The straps of tefillin, as well as tefillin themselves, render the hands impure. Rabbi Shimon says that the straps of tefillin do not render the hands impure. In addition, kol kitvei hakodesh metam in all sacred scripture renders the hands impure. We learned a little while back in Masechet Shabbat the reason that the Gemara gave for this situation. On Shabbat 14a, we saw that Amar Rav Mesharshia, hayu matzni'in et ochlin detruma etzel sefer Torah, ve'amru hai kodesh ve'hai kodesh, kevan dekachazu deka'atu lidepsita gazru be rabanan tuma. Rav Masharshia said that at first people would put their truma food in with the Sefer Torah, and they said, well, this is holy and this is holy, so why not put them together? When they saw that this started to cause loss, presumably mice or other animals would get into the food and also eat at the Torah, the rabbis decreed that Sifre Torah should convey impurity so that people would not store their truma and food which requires a degree of purity with Kitve Kodesh. So what's the connection between sacred scriptures and our case here of the bones of the Korban Pesach that make both of them things which render the hands impure? Well, looking at the end of the opening Memra of our Sukya helps to answer this question. Rav Maribar Avuha, in the name of Rebbe Yitzchak, had said that the reason these bones render the hands impure is because they have become the base for something forbidden. Now, before we consider what this category of basisla devarha asur means in its own right, we see a parallel between these two cases. The bones themselves are not forbidden, but merely the base for something forbidden, something connected to a forbidden substance. Hence, one might be likely to not actually view them as problematic in their own right. In the same way, as people originally saw no problem with storing their food with sacred scrolls of scripture, so, too, they might not see a problem with using these bones, which in themselves are not forbidden. Thus, the rabbis apply an additional category of impurity to these objects in order to ensure that people will treat them in a proper manner. This fits well into models of understanding impurity that frame this category as a means of creating and reinforcing cultural taboos, things which one is expected to avoid because they fall too far on the spectrum, either as negative and untouchable, or because they are invested with the degree of holiness, take on this status to ensure that people maintain proper boundaries. Returning now to the concept of basis ledvar ha'asur, this concept of a base for something forbidden, most famously is a category that we find in Hilchot Shabbat in the case of muktza, those things which are off-limits for use over Shabbat. Perhaps this statement, which identifies the bones as in the category of basis ledvar ha'asur, was placed here at the beginning of the sugya because our Mishnah actually deals with the case of when the 16th falls out on Shabbat. In any event, the category of muksa includes several different types of objects which are not to be used on Shabbat, generally because they are primarily used for work purposes or have no real utility at all. The idea of basis ledavar ha'asur is that an object which in itself does not serve a work purpose, but is the regular resting place or container for something which does, is also off-limits. Thus a wallet, for example, even if it doesn't have money at the moment, which itself would be muksa on Shabbat, so even if it doesn't have any money, because its primary function is to hold money, it is associated with money and thus becomes forbidden. It's possible that this is because of our psychological association with a wallet as being tied to money, 
or because of social practical concerns that that is, if someone sees me carrying my wallet on Shabbat, they don't know that it's empty and will either mistakenly come to the conclusion that money is not mukso or otherwise. Stepping back, just to consider these two categories which we have discussed, Rabbi Mari Bar Avuha, in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak, links to Matiyadayim and Basis Lidavar Hasur, because both of them are secondary considerations of things which in themselves are not problematic, but which become associated on some level with something that is, and therefore, in order to enforce and maintain the import of these, the forbidden nature of the actual thing that we're trying to protect, whether it's the marrow and the bones of the Korban Pesach or sacred scripture. Both of these, in some ways, go back to the famous Mishnah, first Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, that one of the decrees of the Anshe Knesset Gdola, the men of the Great Assembly, was Asusiang Torah, to make a fence around the Torah. It's important to create additional laws that extend to protect the core principles and rules. Our examples may be such cases of additional restrictions that are in place in order to protect the greater value at hand. Some may question why such additional restrictions are necessary, and it's true that often they can become overwhelming or even outnumber the original laws. However, Judaism is not a religion that only appeals to the ideal. There is a realization that people are human and will not be able to follow all of the laws. For this reason, perhaps, the rabbis established these fences so that even if people don't live up to all of the additional rulings that have been added, at least they will hopefully preserve the primary core values. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.